This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we delve into those difficult moments with some well-known guests. I'm Giles Paler-Phillips and in his mansion in Amersham, <laughs> with his spare bedrooms, it's Jim Daly. I wish it was a mansion and I wish it was spare bedrooms. <laughs> it is one spare bedroom, um, which I've also commandeered the corner of to uh, use as my office slash desk. Yeah. Um, but thank you for making I'm also me... in... Yeah, I am... Sorry, Jim. I, I am also in my bedroom in my temporary <laughs> podcast studio. But you know what? We're making things work. And in the current climate of uncertainty uh, in the world, uh, we're still plowing on and making things work. And that's also why we've got today's podcast, the last in our current series before we break uh, for Easter. Um, and who mm. knows what the world will look like when we come back? Yeah. So we're having a bit of a we're having a slightly later break than normal. And um hopefully then means that we can we can get up and running again after after the break and uh keep delivering uh podcasts to you yeah that's the plan anyway that's the plan and obviously you know we don't know what's happening in the world at the moment and we're i think a lot of people certainly doing podcasts and stuff are sort of plowing on trying to sort of go on as normal which i think is nice because we need a semblance of normality at the moment but um you know also we're very aware of what's happening in the world and trying to make sense of it um but we've got a great episode for you today with a with a wonderful guest um we should say this was recorded before all the coronavirus stuff started um but yeah uh, it was just at the beginning of it i think wasn't it it was just as news was starting to filter out a little bit we'd we'd sort of been told not to shake hands with people um, yeah it, yeah it was very beginning that it was that it was that it was back in those heady days of the just sh- not shaking hands <laughs> <laughs> oh dear that seems like a lifetime ago we should say it's it's marcus mm. brickstock on on this week's podcast. it is the very wonderful marcus brickstock who was very very lovely to host us at his um place down in southland southland South. i'm gonna say uh, he was a very kind host. He replenished us with was. lots of uh, tea, and there were some cakes. And you brought some cheese. You know, it, it was a, it was a feast, really. It was, yeah. I, I'd um, been wandering around Borough Market because we'd pod twice that day, hadn't we? And so I was wandering around Borough Market while you had a meeting, and I found a really lovely cheese stall. And I knew that Marcus is a big cheese fanatic, and he does talk about that a bit on the podcast. Um, being the cheese master and why um, cheese is such a big thing in his life, um, actually f- from a very poignant kind of period in his life. 
um, his love of cheese has come out. So it was really nice to be able to gift him some cheese. I can't actually remember the name. I might try and message Marcus and see if he can tell me what it was called. But it was, um, I think it was Italian cheese. But it wasn't mm. a Parmesan. It was a sort of more of a, uh, it was a soft cheese. But it wasn't a brie soft. It was more like a cheddar soft. We will we'll find out and uh, we'll tweet. You can tell I'm not was. a connoisseur of cheese. No, but Marcus is, and he very much liked the cheese indeed. Yeah. And uh, I had some as well. It was very nice. So um, yeah, it was, and it was a cheesy pod. It was, but not in a, but cheesy in a good way. Cheesy in a good way. Yes. Yeah. She, not in a, not in a cheesy way. Shall we no. get on with the? No. Oh, shall we do some tweets before we get on with the pod? I think we should because we often forget. Um, <laughs> I've do. got one here from um, Asterian the Witcher, who is a. Um, a regular listener to the podcast. Yes, a the big paranoia. supporter. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's a great guy. Uh, I assume he's a guy. Um, the paranoia explained with the sweets has all another taste. Relax Sunday afternoon with the interview of Layla Anna Lee oh. on the podcast made by made by Jim and Giles. Uh, compliments to all of you on this episode, guys, and I await the next one. So thank you very much for that. And for all your messages, it's very kind. Yes, we get a lot of messages from um, Asterian, and they're all incredibly supportive and uh, lovely to receive. So uh, we really do appreciate them and the support. We do, very much. Thank you. Have you got any messages, Jim? Yes, I've got one here from Rachel Rivers Porter, who um, has tweeted out a lovely photo of, uh, I think she's walking her dog on in the countryside in a, in a field. Uh, the sun is just setting it's a it's a it's a beautiful scene and she's tweeted in all the chaos as the world reels on the edge of recession it's good to appreciate the simple things in life like a walk in the countryside to find peace and fresh perspective and she's added in us and country file live which i think is the first time we've ever been coming into a tweet with them but um i actually feel calmer just looking at this photo and reading that tweet so it's had a nice positive effect on me so thank you rachel Get out there in the open. Keep exercising. Keep getting out there. Obviously, keep your distance from people, but please do keep trying to get fresh air because um, it's really important for all of our um, physical and mental health to be keep going out there and um, exercising. That's a really nice message, and I'm just thinking as you're saying that we should maybe try mm. and do a podcast from a National Trust property at some point. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Once, ah, that once would be a brilliant once idea. Once we're allowed to go public again and uh maybe in sunny a sunnier climbs we could do one from a national trust property that'd be lovely i would love that yes we have to find the perfect guest for that i think but um yeah that'd be lovely we'll have a think about that and see if we can uh make that Mm. happen absolutely definitely and you know what's gonna happen now we're gonna crack on with this Mm. week's episode of the blank podcast with the wonderful marcus brickstock That crosses over into the like the free speech thing. Like, do you do we wholly support uh, the free speech of those seeking to harm others and uh, and yeah. prohi- and limit other people's free speech? Yeah, you know, you you have to you have to conclude that nuance is the only way. You know, yeah. you can't you can't. I don't. Th- yeah. I can't make a blanket 
decision about everybody's absolute right to free speech. I'm like, nah, some people need to be, if not deplatformed, then, uh, then uh, strategically ignored. Yes, should we say? Uh, yeah. No, I know what I was going to tell you. Um, if you're not permanently too busy writing or making podcasts, have you listened to the Anthropocene Reviewed? No. no. Okay, it is a transformative podcast for me like it is that great i know everyone goes you've got to watch the wire and you've got to watch this and you have to listen to this so this is my you have to okay can you spell that for me anthropocene a n t h r o p o c e n e reviewed it's made by john green who wrote the fulton r stars and over 28 minutes he reviews um, two things per episode, including the first one I listened to, uh, the Staphylococcus infection, um, get, reviews it, and then eventually, after a very thorough, fascinating, lightly funny uh, review with amazing things, like, for example, the daughter, the orphaned daughter of the man who discovered and developed penicillin is still alive. That's how recently we've had penicillin. And the first batch of penicillin they grew was not enough to save the life of a single man. Uh, um, And now we have trillions of tonnes of penicillin available to us. And it was grown on a cantaloupe melon. And the scientists who grew it um, finished the melon because they could. Um, So it's full of stuff like that. And then in the end, he'll go... I think you would, though, wouldn't you? Because they're nice, those cats. Yeah, they're amazing. (laughs) And then at the end, he he goes, I give Staphylococcus infection three out of ten. (laughs) And he literally reviews it it out of five. And then the other half of that show was um, non-denial denials. You know, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Uh, Being a more overt denial and talking about the role of those sorts of things. He's reviewed... Um, what did that get? Tetris. Um, I think actually non-denial denial as a form of communication in politics, I think maybe got like a four out of five okay. on the good, basis oh, that exactly. it's better than the new version, which is an outright lie with yes. no shame. Yeah, which is true. Uh, he's, he reviews anything in, 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 our, in our world beautifully. It's all written and you can tell it's written. Yeah. And um, the one he reviews, the only one where he's done one subject across the whole thing is he reviewed Old Lang Syne, not as a New Year's Eve song, but like really what Old Lang Syne is, what it means, where it's been, the places around the world. And uh, it made me uh, cry. It was so beautiful. It made me cry at the end. It was just stunning because there's a version of it where they just sing... I'm here because I'm here because I'm here because I'm here. And if you just say that, then it's fine. But he arrives at it in a certain, uh, through a certain route that makes you realise just how important that is. Wow, That's wow. fucking great. Cannot recommend Definitely it enough. Definitely going to. I've written yeah. it down. Get on board. Get on board. Yeah. I've written it down. Anyway, enough of other people's yeah. podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. nonsense. <laughs> well, Marcus, welcome to the Blank Podcast. Thanks for having me. How yeah. are you? 
I'm really good, thanks. The sun's out today. It is. I mean, there's a there's a plague coming. You'll notice. You'll notice there is no there's no sign on my door. There's no heaps of toilet paper stacked up that I'm stockpiling. So plague aside, as a self-employed person, what that means for me, even setting aside the potential for the horror of seeing. Uh, high mortality rates is on a selfish level work is terrifying at the moment you know if I'm self-employed if people advise against gathering in places that's me screwed very true yeah yeah, yeah. well very I heard true. last night that it's not actually that terrible to gather in places that's, keep going to football stadiums okay. keep keep going to shows. just stop kissing the other fans yeah. on the mouth it's basically <laughs> the people around you that are going to be affected yeah, but not not the other people. So the people at the front, if, if yeah, one yeah. of them's got it, then you know, you there's a chance that you might. Get yeah, it. yeah. But the guys at the back and the girls, at they the back, should be fine. They'd be fine. Well, it's the Edinburgh Festival that that is a the big concern for me. It's it, I'm one of a small number of comedians who love Edinburgh. I love it before, during, and after the festival, and I've had some bruising experiences up there. But it's like. It's summer camp for clowns, so there's that. Yeah. It's also the biggest um, arts festival in the history of mankind, right here in what is still our country, <laughs> or our yeah. nation, let's say. Is it the other way around? But anyway, and, you know, I love it, and it's creatively very rewarding, and it's sort of the start of my cycle. So I do a show at the Edinburgh Festival, and then I tour it. And the idea that Edinburgh either might not happen or might be so diminished by people either dealing with yeah. Corona or what we're calling it, COVID-19 now, or what follows or advised against gathering together. Um, anyway, I'll finally finish my book, won't I? <laughs> I'll have to. I'd forgotten that, that Edinburgh might be affected by that. I'd not even... Well, I mean, they're looking seriously at cancelling the Olympics at this stage. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the big turning point, Oddly, for me, was seeing the Bond movie pushed back. Yeah, I, right. That that is a yeah. massive decision. Those they're not like uh, yeah. they're not warriors. They're very pragmatic, straightforward. We don't want no time to die written on every billboard everywhere yeah. right now, and we think people are not going to gather together. So we're going to push this back until November, is what they're saying, oh, and that made me go, huh. That's interesting. Mm. So it's it's a bit scary, you know. Yeah, because there's been two big uh, book fest book um, yeah, Lon- shows, like London Books Fair that's gone. Closed. Yeah, yeah, oh, wow. so, yeah. yeah. Uh, big, which is a big big motor yeah. show in Geneva as well. A huge motor show, which, as you can imagine, is largely outdoors. But they just went. HBO have effectively shut down production for the time being. Mm. But you know what this means, though, doesn't it? Like we'll all just be inside doing podcasts. Yeah, podcasts will just I go think, through podcast, the roof. I, think, I, I, I had absolutely assumed most people are inside doing podcasts. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. what most of my friends. I, I, I'm really a bastion uh, of the old school. I'm, I'm holding out. I, as yet, do not have a podcast. I have three in development, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but at the current moment, yeah, 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 yeah. It's an odd thing that you know, like I've arrived at uh, wherever I am now in my career. As someone who, you know, permission to broadcast has been how I became successful, right? I I made a thing and then someone who worked in broadcasting saw the thing I made and Mm. went, that thing is a good thing. 
we will commission you. And then I'd arrive with the pieces of paper and go, well, how's about this? And they'd send it back and go, no, not this. This isn't ready. This isn't good enough. And I'd work on it more. And then to and fro until I had a piece of work that I agreed and they agreed was good enough. And then there's permission to broadcast. And so I'm behind the times. This Ours is the first generation for whom no one needs seek permission to broadcast yeah. anything. Yeah. You can and you probably should broadcast the things you believe in. And I, I'm not mentally there yet, you know. I think I, I love that, that lots of people are, you know. Um, I get to be on nice podcasts without having to take responsibility <laughs> for them. Yeah. But yeah, I think for my, my kids, I've got two teenage kids. It's such a different idea. Mm. You know, there's no filter on what they can broadcast, which is terrifying as a parent. But Yeah, know. I mean, my, my boys are obviously massively into YouTube, as a lot of their generation are. Yeah. And they want to be YouTubers. Don't they watch a lot of crap? Oh, man. <laughs> Aren't so you, much. Are you happy to get on board with that? No. So bad. But my So my little one has started watching Carter's World. How old's your little one? He's 10. Right. What's Carter's World? It's some very, very wealthy American teenagers. Well, I say late, maybe early 20s. Yeah. Um, doing pranks in like swimming pools and... I know the like, one you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Okay. And there's, there's I don't... three of them. And there's, there was one he watched and there's a girl and she, the, the two guys had to impress her with a date. And then whoever was most rich, she would get off with. Wow! Right. Oh my Which God! Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, um, is that ice I hear cracking beneath <laughs> everyone's feet? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and so my wife was saying that there was an episode where they were using a swimming pool, they were putting dry ice in the swimming pool, mm. and she was saying, "Look, I've looked into this, and it's really dangerous to put dry ice in swimming pools, and I don't, not sure about Sonny watching this because the because you you know." he might replicate this at mm. some point. I was like, well, chances of having our own swimming pool. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but what worried me more was the fact that he was watching something that was so shit. Yeah. Like it yeah. wasn't the actual, like, it was I, the content. Was yeah. so, I was like, we should be far more worried about not the dangers of the show, but actually how crappy. I is. feel the mm. same. And like, I was telling my kids in a way that they seem to, to, <laughs> to tolerate yeah. um, how Ben Elton and Richard Curtis wrote Blackadder. And the rule they had is they wrote remotely and Ben would send a draft of the script to Richard. And the rule was you could take out another person's work Mm -hmm. and you could even write something in its place. The only thing you couldn't do was when the draft came back to you, put back what had been removed, which meant that respectfully they, um, they were like, okay, if I take out Richard's line here, he can't put this back. So do I definitely want that out? Maybe, maybe not. And also, do I have something here? I'm not going to start taking out someone else's work if I don't have something. And it seemed to me to produce a, an exquisite result. Yeah, you know, yeah. Blackadder's two, three, and four. Yeah. One is problematic, difficult. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not bad, but it's not like, it's it's not like the others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, no, it's shit. Yeah. Uh, but two, three, and four... For me, like comedy that influenced me that I grew up on, mm. and it's excellent. And like it, when you look at the care that Armando Iannucci takes putting a script together, or John Finnemore who writes everything on his own. I mean, yeah. Christ knows how he does that. It's extraordinary. Um, I'm like, there's so much care taken in this. And then I look at some of the stuff online, and 
I know I know this is just me being an old fart, but I'm like, this isn't a first draft thought, no, yeah, let alone yeah. a first draft script, you know? This is a nothing. And then occasionally there's just brilliance, isn't there? Just stunning, yeah. stunning brilliance, you know? the online stuff, there's like a... Um demand for it so i think people are more desperate for content than necessarily good content yeah just yeah 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 well and i guess that as, as a maker, time to yeah and as, yeah. A, as a creator you're you're sort of forced your hand is forced slightly because the desire is there yeah. from your subscribers yeah so you have to give them something to make something to, to, yeah yeah, yeah and i mean look i can't you know i can't be dishonest about my own process where this is concerned i mean you know, off, offsetting laziness as a start, which I hardly believe in. I don't, I think very few people are lazy. I think most are scared. Um, or at least that's my experience. You know, when I fail to do something, it's usually because I'm scared that the idea of it in my head is brilliant. And the reality, once it's down on paper, is whatever it is. Sometimes mm. it's good, occasionally great. Often it's, you know. So you just don't, that, that, scare, that scaredness? That yeah, yeah, yeah. That stops you even starting. Yeah, but, you know, like I passed the point years ago where making things came wholly from the artistic urge to create and came from, I've got bills to pay. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say, as a, as a creative, um, it's not a creative engine, but it's uh, it's creative fuel, perhaps. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having some bills to pay means I need to make a show that people want to come and see and, you know, that they will tell others is, oh, that's a good hour and a half of your time. You'll enjoy that. Mm-hmm. That's funny, that. And then away you go. But, you know, it, it's not wholly, it's not wholly artistic, you know. In fact, I think after about, eight months of any stand-ups career that's that's probably the point first time you get you get a lump of money in your hand that makes you go all right (laughs) then you start making choices based a little bit on it being it's the ugly side isn't it you know you can still create something very heartfelt and very very brilliant but it's slightly the ugly side people don't like to think of creative types being paid for their work Mm. No, and I think that seems to get has become worse and worse in that, you know, we don't we don't pay for a lot of Oh God, that's the other thing. You know, my kids don't really expect to pay for their entertainment. I mean, mm. they're kids, I'm paying for their entertainment, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And that's okay, but like their generation, they don't wholly join up that that process that without a transaction you can't have these things mm. although that said my son is doing a media studies a level and i was really pleased that part of that is looking at piracy okay and yeah. the effect that it's had and and how much it takes away from these big studios and we've probably all drawn lines about what's acceptable and what's not you know i think my sort of line my moral line with music when i first got the internet was i'll buy it if i can yeah. Mm. If A, if I can afford it, and B, if it's available, and otherwise I'm having it from whatever means, yeah. you know. I mean, to be fair, um, for people listening, we're sitting in my um, house, and you can see I do spend some money yeah, on, there's on a, music. There's a bit of vinyl there. There's yeah. a bit of vinyl there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do spend a lot of money on music. Um, but I was saying to my wife yes, yesterday, I think, I was sort of saying, like, with Spotify, we were, it's like 10 quid. Well, I would have spent 10 quid on an album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easily. Yeah. 
Um, but now, obviously, I get a gazillion albums for 10 quid. It's not the same. Sure. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. Vinyl is slightly different. But someone's. But you know, I mean, the the payment model for recorded music through Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else people are paying for it is not the same. It's not as lucrative for artists and record labels and creators and all the rest of it. But at least they're getting paid. Yeah. I do what drives me mad. Right? You guys have been making this podcast for how long? This will be episode 60. Right, congratulations. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean that. Yeah. Like, it's no small yeah. undertaking. Don't you find it astonishing, given how long podcasts have been knocking around, that no one's yet figured out licensing for music? Yeah. I mean, really, what the hell? Yeah. How crap is that? Yeah. That, it's not beyond the wit of record labels to go, if your podcast about... Uh, my passion happens to be jazz music right so that ought to be cheap because it's literally me and my cousin Jake listening to it and no one else as far as I can tell but it ought not to be beyond the wit of someone to go okay so you would really like to make a podcast exploring what happened to each of the musicians involved in Kind of Blue after they made Kind of Blue where did they go what happened for them right you can talk about jazz or any other genre of music but really you ought to have the music in it and the answer is a hard no, unless you just want to stump up millions of pounds. Yeah, yeah. It's so shit. Like, that's a fixable thing. Yeah. Mm. Totally fixable thing. And in the world of podcasts, given how much, how important music is to almost everybody I know, I find it astonishing that no one's sorted that yet. There's a dollar to be made there. Yeah, I did meet someone online who says that they can do it. Um, we'll see. you'd need a... PRS license wouldn't cover that, would it? You need a no. It's a different. License you need you basically you need a bespoke agreement, but it ought to be doable, right? That that if a podcast if a podcast is made commercially available, there are certain thresholds of listenership yeah. where the creators get paid, right? It ought not to be that difficult to say that X percentage of that based on how much of the time is spent playing music, yeah. would be made available to the relevant record company, yeah, that makes right? Sense. Yeah. Not that difficult. Yeah. Anyway, meh, it's not possible. <laughs> well, it might, it might be. Yeah, it will be. It will be. it will be eventually. Or, or people will conclude that it doesn't matter enough. And, you know, I mean, you could do the thing where you link to a playlist, but that seems so no, you need, unsatisfying, you need it. doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, you need it there. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's a shame with music in general. We don't consume music in the same way. Like, mm. when was the last time you? I mean, obviously you've got vinyl here. You probably do consume an album. Yeah, I do big time. But, but I love an album. Yeah, albums are, are, are artistic statements. Yeah, exactly. You it's know, the same as you read a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you can. Like, oh, I'm going to read chapter four, and then I'm going to read another yeah, book. Exactly. I mean, you, you know, there are certain like, there are certain true. books you can you can do that with, but not. Not novels, and I, no. you know, of course, albums are not novels in the same way. But the greatest albums for me, like my favourite albums, they do tell a story about a moment mm. in time. By the way, if you want a tip for a, I think a cracking good album that I've already, I only read it about it this morning, and I've already listened to it through twice uh, today, is the new Corner Shop um, oh, album. Really? Uh, I think it. I think it's time. called. I want to say England. Yeah, oh, really? I was listening to that yesterday. England. It's Which called. Which one? The Fat Boy Slim. Fat Boy Slim. Oh. Yeah, sorry. It's called sorry. England is a Garden. <laughs> um, 
Cornish yeah, shop. it's it's wow. called England is a Garden, Isn't and it it's funny sometimes I'm these sure bands that you haven't heard of for fifteen yeah, years yeah. suddenly pop up. With but a, you know, like loads album. loads of them are just cracking on, making really yeah, exactly. great music and playing it live. And yeah, England is a Garden. It's called um, great album, really down. great album. I love an album. I really do. My kids just don't. Is that true? Not wholly true. My son would listen to, say, the whole of a Gorillaz album mm-hmm. or the whole of an Arctic Monkeys album and have a view on it as a piece, as a body of work. My daughter's only 14, so maybe slightly less so. Well, the problem with albums was if you got a good album, brilliant, and some of them are real masterpieces. If you went and bought an album off the back of a couple of singles and all the album tracks fillers. were fillers, <laughs> and were t- that was so disappointing. But you bought but the, the whole thing. But you'd think, have to listen to the whole album to discover yeah. that. And also, <laughs> I, think, I think that's most albums. And I, think, I also think that's fine. Yeah. You know, like, it's okay. Yeah. And sometimes the record that you put on because you love the single, you play it through and you're like, nothing on here is even close yeah. to as good as... You know, like, if, I love um, Welcome to Jamrock, right? Welcome to Jamrock by Damien Jr. Gong Marley, Bob Marley's son, right? Welcome to Jamrock as a track is a just an irresistible, incredible piece of music. And not a single track on that record is as good as that single. That said, without that single, I would not have listened to the album and every other track on the album is also good. Yeah. <laughs> Just not as good as. <laughs> like good, yeah. There's yeah. probably only, yeah. I reckon, uh, I reckon Graceland Love, is a yeah. faultless album. That's I don't think there's yeah. a single track on there that I'd be like, oh, skip this one. Agreed. I also think Disintegration by The Cure, for me, that was the first whole album that I waited for. Yeah. Right, I was aware of its release <laughs> before it came out and I read about it and I waited and I saved up and I went to R Price in Exeter yes. <laughs> with, with my money and it was, I think, £8 and not £6 and I was gutted, yeah. but I had just enough and I got it and I read everything and, you know, so for me that's a very important album but I think it's a rare example of a whole album that's that's really brilliant and there are very few others kind of bloom I miss that excitement I was going to say sorry Jim that excitement of going to a record store waiting for a release yeah for a Monday morning they used to come out on didn't they I used to get the train over to Brighton and go and wait outside do you remember the first whole album you bought I know mine go on it's very 90s go on it's going to really date I do remember actually mine was um, Supernaturals yeah do you remember them Yeah, yeah 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 It doesn't matter anymore. And? Basically their debut album. How many good, good. songs? Still great. Well, the, the, the singles were Smile. Yeah. Which was on like loads of adverts. And Day Before Yesterday's Man. And that was the song that got me into it. And actually, as an album, yeah, good. Singles when did you great. last listen to it in its entirety? Well. This is not a challenge, the by the way. I'm just, just <laughs> gen- genuinely curious. I was obsessed with them. And their second album was very good. But then their third album, released about 2000, was so bad. Sure. That it's turned me off the band forever. Oh no! It was wow. awful. Wow. wow. Although weirdly, then I tweeted about them the other day, and the drummer favorited the tweet, so that was quite interesting. But um, what, what yeah. you saying? That, that no, saying something about so like, oh, they used to be so good. Oh, maybe there's an interesting. So maybe I did like them. There's a really interesting thing that's happened there. Like I tweeted about the Corner Shop record this morning, hoping that people will listen to it and like it yeah. because I've come to lots of music from people doing that and yeah. me going, oh, good. But 
truth be told, the ego in me loved the fact that I both expected and then it was delivered a reply from Corner Shop themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. going, oh, thanks, man. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's nice. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. I, can't, I guess I kind of know Corner Shop now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, but it is nice that, that like... Yeah. That, that for all of social media's shortcomings, that they've it's kind of joined us up with with stuff like that. But anyway, what what was your first album? Okay, I got it from Woolworths. Nice. Yeah, bang on. Don Offer. It was Fans of the Opera by Angela Whipper. Oh, that one. Wow. Fans of the Opera or Phantom? Phantom. Of, it's called Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. By Iron Maiden. Wow. Which was before Bruce Dickinson joined the band. So it was Paul DeMarge, I think his name. Okay. Is. Well, I can't remember his name, but they had. A is it a goodie? It's. Um, do you know what? Because there's a lot of. I mean, I'm not a massive Maiden fan. Yeah, so what but made, a lot of people don't you... like the Bruce Dickinson era because it's a bit too more commercial. Lots of galloping bass, like yeah. every song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they've got like three guitarists now, which is ridiculous. You know? Yeah, no yeah, yeah. Three guitarists. Yeah. Uh, so a lot four. of people liked the earlier era <laughs> because it was uh, a bit raw a bit and more a bit, pure. Yeah, a bit more pure. What? I remember selling that album to a Iron Maiden sold it. purist. Yeah, I sold it about six months later yeah. to a guy wow. that we, and I made a profit on it. Which I was nice which one. I was pleased about. Bang on, man. Yeah. You know, and he still got it though. <laughs> Well, they're great. So that is then, like, it, it, the right then it all worked. Exactly. It, it was the right so, matchup. Yeah. You know, Bruce Dickinson, I believe, is still a commercial airline pilot. He is. I don't know if he still is. I assume he is. I but can you is. imagine how delighted you'd be to get on a plane <laughs> and hear, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Captain Bruce Dickinson talking to you from the flight deck. I hope you've all brought your daughter to the slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> you not thought you know. galloping bass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, can, uh, can I play with madness? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I saw Maiden play yeah. at Reading Festival, oh, and it was really great. Um, um, I want to say probably twelve years ago, ten, twelve okay, years so ago. In, in the era about... of Leeds and Reading, with a yeah, 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 it yeah, yeah. And it was great. I yeah. really liked it. I, I had I went through a, a phase of brief phase a phase of liking hard rock and sort of heavy metal. I mean, proper metal heads would be like, "Maiden's not metal, <laughs> you dick." <laughs> uh, but on before them was Marilyn Manson, whose oh, yeah, yeah. cover yeah. of "Personal Jesus" and "Tainted Love" was enough for me to go, "Wow!" Yeah, and uh, beautiful people as well. What? tune that is for the most part Marilyn yeah. Manson not my bag but as a stage show yeah stunning so outdoor stage and he managed to fill the whole thing with smoke dry ice and all the rest of it and then in a very Manson drawl did the um the Willy Wonka oh, um, there's no way of knowing <laughs> which way the river's flowing, <laughs> right? And but the rowers keep on rowing, and then they're like these huge fans came on and blew all the smoke away at once. And Marilyn Manson was on stilts on his arms and legs, oh, looking like a sort of ruined spider. Yeah, and it was it's just, like just yeah, but it was yeah. just sensational. Yeah. And the keyboard player had his keyboard on a hangman's frame on a pair of chains. So it was swinging oh, while okay. he played it. Wow. And like, 
You don't have to like Marilyn Manson's music to recognise no, that that's tremendous. Also, have it. I go to a lot of live music. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were, by some measure, the nicest people, the nicest fans to watch a gig. Really? Next to. Yeah, rock, rock, heavy rock fans. I like short, really short amazing. people get yeah. kind of like, "You're right, mate. Can you see?" No you see, all right. Look, yeah, go in front of us. I really like that. Whereas, whereas, like some some fun bands, kind of pop bands and stuff, screaming assholes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's no, what, so weird. I'm, I'm a real rock. Rock's my love, really. And I've been to a lot of heavy rock yeah. gigs and metal gigs and stuff, and everyone's really nice. Yeah, and they're like there are rules that. about there them are. about the mosh pit that yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. you, you know, people out. get passed out, they pass out, yeah, and yeah. they get passed out of the mosh pit, yeah. you know, and there there's kind of like hard lines about where it begins and ends and stuff like that. that. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, it's people cool, looking nice. after each other. That's really yeah, cool. yeah. That should be. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's really good. I yeah. like the idea as well of not being into Marilyn Manson, but appreciating the stagecraft and I think you can really apply that to a lot of things you can not be into something but you can appreciate yeah. its worth or the craft that's gone into it yeah 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 I mean I, you know I'd love to think that we've all grown out of kind of blanket statements like I don't like opera or figure skating or ballet or hard rock or hip hop or whatever uh, into a sort of like I haven't yet seen the version of this that I like. I think it's legit to say I don't want to spend two hundred pounds on a ticket for the Royal Opera House. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some ballet and yeah. some opera, and I, you know I'm not there. But the right thing at the right moment, incredible. Yeah. yeah. There's a bar in Palma in Mallorca called Abajo, and I think a drink there costs about thirty pounds, and it's wholly worth it. And on a Saturday <laughs> night, they have someone. Uh, it's in an old it's either a monastery or something it's along those lines Mm. beautiful beautiful building and they have someone sing an aria in an upper gallery while they pour rose petals down into the bar I mean it's a bit camp wow (laughs) Uh, uh, but it's like all for it it, yeah it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful I'm kind of I'm a bit like that with art like I really struggle in art galleries because I feel like I'm supposed to have an important reaction to things and you know and it also like even two paintings next to each other make me go, oh, oh, I don't know what this is. But if you see um, a picture in someone's house or in a place that you visit, sort of on its own or a sculpture or something, then I'm like, yeah, wow, wow, that's great. It's just the gallery experience. I kind of don't know my way around that. it. Yeah, I get that as well. I like yeah. the orangery in Paris where um, uh, Monet's water lilies mm. are because that's all that's in there. I'm like, okay, I know what this yeah, is. Yeah. It's totally legit to be in here, look at that and go, I don't like it much. It's not for me. And then stay a while and work out why. Like, what is it about this that doesn't do anything for me or does? You know, I'm always saying this to the kids. I'm like, look, there are films that are just shit and you should give up on those. <laughs> but if you, yeah. if you viscerally dislike a film, I'd stick with it so that by the end you really know why I think that's to- I think not just to waste your time but like I think that's really legit you know I really well and sometimes yeah. you know what like a really shit film will start will spark a conversation yeah 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 totally <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes totally. you say oh that was good 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, whereas if something really terrible, yeah. you'd be like, oh my god, why was that so bad? You know, and you can yeah. you, you can start to yeah take it. Apart. We used to have That's a lot of true, fun. Yeah. So I bought my daughter we've stopped now but i used to buy my daughter the now that's what i call music thing oh, yeah. every every year and then we'd and then we had a rule in the car oh, the three of us and i'd go okay the rule is if two of us shout skip then we're skipping yeah. right <laughs> and we used to go through and we'd effectively review that year's music and then on the last one we bought i don't think we heard the whole of any one uh, I want to say what was song. The last one because I mean, must, I they must be know. quite high number now. I remember getting yeah, the yeah, the hundred. I think area. now eight was the first one I ever bought. I've got I've got number and one we, over there on you, vinyl. No, yeah, see, yeah. I had one on vinyl. Number two's much better than number one. <laughs> there was one, and my favourite track on it was Star Trekking across that? the universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Always oh, going forwards because we cannot find reverse. Yeah. It's a pack full of jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that I had very such affection for that well I think now that's what I call music one has got three Nick Kershaw tunes on do I mean Nick Kershaw no Lamal because it's got two Kajagoogoos and a Lamal so he did quite well he absolutely smashed it (laughs) yeah yeah that's retirement money yeah yeah I can't remember what was the number eight bound to be an Elton John song of some sort you'd hope Um, yeah what year is that then number eight god 86 maybe I think it might be even earlier than that. No, maybe no number eight. Probably oh, who knows? Who knows? But I remember when the second and third ones came out, being astonished by the notion that this theoretically could just go on and on, yeah, and sort of not quite it, believing that it that it would. But I mean, somebody somewhere, obviously the record company have. But I wonder if a music fan somewhere has every one of them on vinyl. Oh, I hope someone does. What a trove You'd that have, would be. That would be a whole would you wall, think, wouldn't it? Would they, yeah. Did they stop making them on vinyl for a period, though? Because I guess they're starting to... I mean, yeah, they're they will have done, won't they? Yeah, they would have done. Ah, we, had, we had them on cassette. Cost too much to make yeah. these. We had yeah. Cassette, uh, I had the first ones were vinyl, and then well, cassette. And then would cassette. have been about four cassettes. It was it? literally four cassettes. In like Do you remember those big boxy... Yeah, the big fat one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the days. I used to often buy stuff, music on cassette, because I had a Walkman. Yeah, I can listen to it straight away. And then there's and then the CD Walkman yes, came out, which yes. worked brilliantly, provided you didn't move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you had a very big, very pocket. flat, and a big pocket, <laughs> yeah, and plenty of batteries. Yeah. not rechargeable. Could spare get through batteries. One album on the yeah, batteries. forty quid's worth of batteries <laughs> and a very it. flat surface. <laughs> worth it. Yeah, shit headphones. Uh, and beautiful sound quality. <laughs> <laughs> well, they Amazing. started doing. They, they used to be two a year, didn't it? The nows. Yeah, I think they. And then they, they cut down, wound surely. down a bit. I think I they people so. didn't need that much now in yeah, their yeah, life. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. I don't, I there don't was know. a sort of rival to the now, which was the hits. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think we there were quite a few yeah. uh, um, rival versions. You know, now I mean, t- lived them all. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well done, them. Yeah, yeah. There was a good program on Radio Two about the history of the of the like the big compilation album. It was really good, and they talked a bit to some of those like Lamal oh, about okay. like if your record made it onto one of those because oh, sometimes yeah, it would yeah, make it, it onto one of those almost before it had been released as a single, and yeah. then that was you set. Yeah. You know, those were the years. But there is always what, sorry, go on. What the Anthropocene uh, the, 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 the an- Anthropocene reviewed? What, what rate would you get? Would you get? Ah, well, as a maybe we should do our own review now. As a buying, as a buying experience, 
like when I was young, I think it. I th- I think I'd give them five out of five. Yeah. You know, because I think. Well, I think it opened the door to lots of different. Yeah. There was always stuff on there that was quite obscure as well. There was obscure. Kind yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. There was thought, oh, Star Trekking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the, but there's <laughs> also I, I think it's quite nice actually the, the fact that there'd have been loads of songs on there like an Elton John that I'd have gone I'll skip this yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you go back and you go all oh, right well I I mean I had no idea how brilliant this was yeah, yeah. how incredible the songwriting is how amazing the production is and all the rest of it. I love that. You well, know, that goes back to your point about if you're not into something, yeah, reviewing mm. it and analysing it. Because I remember going back to those albums earlier that I'd listened to and I love the singles and the album tracks will be fillers and be terrible. There's a few that after a few plays actually then grew on me. Yeah, and I yeah, found yeah. I actually yeah. liked the album more yeah. than the... Oh, the best albums are the ones that you're not sure about, I think, and then the you, Yeah. And they, well, then they moments. deliver a reward. Yeah. That's the same for me with Cheese. <laughs> now you guys know I am a level one cheese master yeah. genuinely qualified when, when, uh, when there are cheese, like uh, cheese well so okay let's take, well take yes it, back, it has it let's go let's go all the way back to we can go back to okay so when I was a kid I didn't like cheese mm-hmm. at all I'd have it well, grated no and that cheese, was it no cheese didn't like it even the I'd burger have, cheese stuff with the plasticky cheese did you must well I guess if well yeah but do you know what when I was a kid no one really ate burgers no, I don't think you're so true, it wasn't much of a yeah. thing. I mean, like McDonald's existed, but burgers weren't a thing like they are no. now. You know, like most pubs now will 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 claim that their burger is famous, which I think is a lie. <laughs> think, yeah. But also, you know, they're, they're a massive thing. Yeah. So no, I didn't like, really like any cheese. But what happened is I went when I, in uh, December the fifth, nineteen ninety, I went into rehab. For primarily for an eating disorder, mm-hmm. uh, drugs and alcohol. I once I was in there, very quickly realised. Oh, so most seventeen-year-olds don't drink alone in the morning. All right, okay. maybe right. there's a thing here. <laughs> I so, I so right sniffing thing. solvents is not going to catch on in the way I imagine. <laughs> anyway, blah. But what happened at that time was I needed to stop eating sugar and white flour because of the um, chemical effect that that amount of sugar has on the human brain, right? It has a narcotic effect, uh, especially if you've already warped your brain with lots of other things. So it was necessary for me to completely stop. Even like if you made a shepherd's pie and put some Worcester sauce in it, I wouldn't have eaten it because Worcester sauce has some sugar in it, which is a kind of demented orthorexia, actually. And I'm glad I grew out of that. It was just very important at the time to have very clear boundaries. So obviously all desserts were gone. And I was extremely careful. I ate three meals a day at the same time every day for a long time, uh, which is very extreme. And for me, just then, necessary an extreme problem necess- uh, made necessary an extreme solution, yeah. which I then evened out. Anyway, so here we are. Uh, I will be, at the end of this year, sober uh, for 30 years. Wow, uh, I've never had a legal drink in my life. Amazing. So uh, assuming I make it to December the 5th this year, <laughs> um, I'm not planning on having a drink, but we'll see. Uh, I'll have been sober for 30 years. So, And I haven't, 
also had any desserts in that time. No cakes, no sugar, no biscuits, wow. no sweets. I've had a few kind of sugar-free things. I love a naked bar. Oh, yeah. All Delish. Yeah. Um, but so what happened is I began gradually to allow myself cheese. And obviously that was my in the same way that desserts are a treat. Yeah. Cheese became kind of my thing. And then just a passion for it grew. I'm also like in the same way that I like jazz music I like things that you can go in on mm-hmm. I guess the addict in me likes that actually but it's just, I mean up the good functional end I like stuff that you can get deep on you can get deep on jazz music really deep mm. um, and you can get really deep on cheese it's <laughs> a fascinating substance and there are so many you only have to go to France right and most villages south of about halfway down France have their own cheese. A cheese that really is only from there and only enough of it is made to be eaten in that village. I mean, in Provence, that is categorically the case and many of them will have two or three cheeses that just belong to them. And you'd eat it and you'd go, ah, that's similar to the goat's cheese we had over there. But if you have it on its own, you'd go, yeah, similar, but not the same. So I I love the detail of all of that. It That's pleases amazing. me enormously. And it also, look, most of it's delicious. So, you know, it's <laughs> not a bad thing to go <laughs> Not in all on. of it yeah. is, but most of it's delicious. So, uh, and we're good. The UK are very good cheese makers. Are we? Yeah, I, I'll tell you why. So, we used to make loads and loads and loads of cheeses in the UK. And then mostly they died out. And then the milk price got destroyed by supermarkets. refusing to pay milk farmers even the value of the production of uh, a bottle of milk why because um, a dairy farmer has two choices one continue to milk the cows and sell it at whatever price or kill the cows Mm. you have no other there's nowhere else to go right you can't not milk them that will cause them terrible terrible pain you can't there's so there's nothing to do so loads of small and medium-sized dairies realized we can't we can't even survive on the milk price as it is unless we monetize this by making cheese and so what we've done in the uk is become artisan cheese makers like in the same way that they are in france although theirs is propped up by the common agricultural policy ours is genuine i think is a um i'm no one's nationalist but is a source of great pride that there's a there's sort of innovation mm. in the uk and a will to survive there are arguments against dairy farming uh, all of which are correct and i accept as a level one cheese master i choose to look the other way um and and deal with my hypocrisy in private but yeah so we're really good at it and we're and and what's delightful to me as a as a cheese enthusiast <laughs> it's a word i've just made up um an enthusiast i don't know yeah. uh, is is that <laughs> what that, what yeah. this means is new cheeses are coming new cheeses are coming to the uk all of the time and we've gone past seeking to replicate French cheeses, which we do extremely well. Actually, we replicate all of the great European cheeses very well. There's British Gouda's and mm-hmm. Brie's and uh, versions Cornish of things Brie like, like Comte. Oh, it's absolutely so phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Um, 
uh, and now are making, you know, like Cornish Yarg is a wholly British um, cheese made by a man whose surname is Grey and Yarg is just Grey backwards. Brilliant. And it's wrapped in... <laughs> That's net- enough for me. It's wrapped in nettle leaves um, because that gives it a certain flavour and is and also beautiful. It, it looks lovely on a cheese board, a whole Cornish Yarg with a slice taken out. Oh, that's as sexy so, as a gato. I, <laughs> all right, so, so, you can things. see, you can see what I mean about the nerd, right? Well, two things here that come up for me. First of all, so if you're buying British cheese, that's basically a big fuck you to supermarkets. Yeah, it is. Even if you buy them from the supermarket, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It, it is. It, it, you know, I would say, yeah, buy, but look out for British cheeses and and buy them. It, you know, depending on how you feel about dairy. Like I said, I mean it when I say there are really good, compelling arguments against how unsustainable dairy farming is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But here's a tip for you. Uh, there's a cheese called, I call it Golden Kenneth. It's not actually Golden Kenneth. It's Golden Cairnarth. Uh, but it, <laughs> it, it was my, it's from Wales and it's my cheese of the year. It's absolutely stunning. It's a, washed, down, it's a washed rind um, soft cow's milk cheese, very similar in taste to Mont d'Or or Vacherin, uh, which you'll pay about 15, 20 pounds for. And Golden Cairnarth, you'll pay a lot less. It's delicious. Oh, I've never yeah. made so many notes during a podcast. <laughs> great, mostly about <laughs> Just tip, tips for mainly, albums yeah. and cheeses. <laughs> Is it mainly cows, milk cheeses, or do you like... No, 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 I absolutely adore... Yeah, adore. we make very, very, very good goat cheeses in in the UK. Lots of the, actually, the most simple, I think the most simple goat's milk cheeses are the best. Like, actually, basic um, kind of cheese, uh, goat's curd. Yeah. It's with a tiny bit of quite floral honey. Exquisite, exquisite. We make some very good, very good um, sheep's milk cheeses as well. Can I go to my second point? Yes. And this might be crazy. This might be the most sensational We'll be the judge of you. I'm building it up. <laughs> Please don't. Did, is, it, is it fair to say that cheese saved your life? Well, it, it brought colour to my life, for sure. Like, great colour. <laughs> <laughs> so much colour and calories. Let's be honest, <laughs> yeah. calories. But I, you know, I've reached the age now where I get stuff checked. I got married last year, and I, 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 I sort of joked about it, but I realised I genuinely did go off and have a load of, I suppose, human MOTs done, because I'm older than my wife by only by eleven years. I'm not old. I'm forty six, which is. Not old, but it's the oldest I've ever been. So it's quite scary. So I did go off and have a load of health checks done just to make sure she wasn't buying any dodgy goods. <laughs> and uh, it turns out, you know, blood pressure wise, I'm I'm good. You know, everything's good. It all it's all fine. I mean, I'm I'm heavier than I would like to be, but I, well, we all uh, like, yeah, life is yeah, good. Life is good. You know, good. I try and go to the gym and. No, I do go to the gym. I just try and go more often than I succeed. It's all right, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I'm, bit, about, I'm the same. Bit of failure. Well, yeah, I think similar. sometimes exercise just allows you to eat more cheese. That's why I exercise. I've no interest in exercise for its own sake. It, yeah. I, I, get, it can, I can hit that endorphin thing that people get, but I d- it hasn't yet ever caught me in such a way that's made me go, I want to do that again. No, I'm yeah, like, yeah, no. that felt okay. That was bearable. Yeah. 
I exercise because I love food. Yeah. I adore food. Mm. And as you, you know, before we switch the microphones on, I really love, so when anybody comes here or if I go out, I liked giving you a cup of Barry's tea. Oh, it was good tea. It was Barry's tea and I liked the story yeah. of where did that come from? How did we arrive at that, right? And being able, Giles, to say to you, you know, okay, well, look, here's, here's pretty much every version of a cup of coffee that you might have. I didn't mention that. Uh, I should have checked, actually. Uh, that had a little bit of hazelnut coffee nice, in it. Nice. I should have checked for the nut allergy. But I really <laughs> like the slight... I don't like hazelnut coffee. <laughs> it's minute. too much. <laughs> yeah. But I put yeah. about a third hazelnut coffee in with my coffee very, blend. Do you know, I, I did notice it. And I thought, this is nice. It's just a slightly <laughs> nutty like flavour that I really yeah. like. So I like... Fundamentally... Like hosting. I love hosting. Yeah. I adore hosting. And part of that, maybe part of it, or maybe hosting is part of, I love stories, yeah. right? And I, it, it's such an obvious thing. Uh, you know, it's one of those nice internet splats that goes out there. But humans are so addicted to stories, we even tell them to ourselves when we're asleep. That is yeah. how essential story is yeah. to us, right? And I absolutely buy into that, you know? And so for me the stories connected with food, both with just sharing food and drink with people. It's a good way of gathering and that's where stories get exchanged. But the stories related directly to food themselves, I find delightful, you know? Oh, totally the same as you. I I like hosting as well. I like cooking Mm. and um, I have friends that I cook with as well. Mm, mm. And we get together and we cook together and it's just so... As a group... Yeah. Do you do like a dish each or are you working together on a single? Sometimes it can be working together on a single dish. Wow. That's great. Well, I've got a friend of mine. Do you manage the control issues there? It's fine. Because I'd struggle with that. Would you? Yeah. Big time. I'd be totally cool with, uh, listen, um, let's let's make some curry. All right. I'm going to make a dal. What do you want to make? And then you go, I'm going to make a chicken there. Right, whatever, or a, or a thing. Yeah, fabulous, excellent. <laughs> I'd be totally cool with that. But if you s- if you said let's make a doll, I'd be like, we. I mean, we can't both make a doll because <laughs> how how will I? What if you put something in it that I don't like? Yeah, <laughs> super controlling, yeah. super controlling. I probably even if if you were saying I'll make a bolty, I'd I'd be like, with what? <laughs> what, what what are you going to put in there? I'm very controlling. Poor Rachel doesn't stand a chance. If she ever cooks anything, I hover like a like a moth. Backseat chef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I'm a really bad backseat chef. I'm a bad passenger too, because I do so much driving for work. Mm. I'm so used to being in control. It's sli- this is slightly stand ups disease too, mm. because I most of the work I've ever done has been written and delivered and directed by me with me doing my own tech going light it like this play this music to begin with set the chairs out like this and it lasts this long right so there's really high degrees of control there you know so what are you like collaboratively work-wise i don't it's really hard to judge that i think very good you know in that i love collaborating with other people because i find it so rewarding to bounce ideas yeah. around but i'm probably i don't know i'm probably most comfortable when i'm to some degree in charge of that process um 
But I, I don't know that that's wholly true. I've written very little for other people that I haven't then also been involved in in the delivery of it, you know, so it's quite hard for me to judge. But sometimes it's quite nice just th- offering stuff and accepting that it might be rejected, mm. you know. And sometimes you, you want you want to make the case for something you've created more than something else. So, like, you know, my wife and I are both comedians and we suggest stuff to each other when we're writing and i'd i'd like to think i'm good at sort of proposing an idea and accepting mm. whether it's gone in or not but i don't know i mean i really want it to be <laughs> you know but there's of I think when I you're do. when you're a creative there's a certain amount of ownership of the stuff you put out there your, yeah, 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 ideas, yeah, definitely. So you're still going to have that emotional connection. Yeah, to definitely. It. I mean, I've started, it's only in the last two stand-up shows that I've done that I've invited other writers to work with me mm. on it. So what I tend to do is I have a, I always describe it the same way. I spend ages trying to make a basket. And the, by a basket, I mean a, a thing that is a bit flexible and has holes in it right but that will hold an idea and i spend ages making a basket and most of the baskets fall apart when you load the stuff into them they fall apart and then that means the basket wasn't any good the idea wasn't any good and then when i get the basket i want then i'm like yes great now you now i can work collaboratively because if you say x i'll go there's already an x in the basket or you say y i'll go yeah but why just falls out the side? It doesn't fit in this basket. So that's a nice way of me sort of visualising how I create. So the last show I did was called Devil May Care and I did stand up as Lucifer, as Milton's version of Lucifer. So tired, uh, like Milton's version of Lucifer now, tired, filled with self-pity and disappointment that his scheme didn't really work. And the idea of the show, most of my comedian friends assumed as the devil, I would say terrible and outrageous things. And that was wholly not the idea. The show was all about forgiveness. So it was Lucifer coming up from hell to say, please, will you learn to forgive each other and yourselves for the things you do wrong? Because at the moment, hell is absolutely chock full of people who've forgotten their bag for life right and and have given themselves such a hard time over it they've crossed their own moral threshold and committed themselves to a life in hell and you're going there for using a plastic straw and you're going there for failing to pick up dog shit that hadn't even come from your dog right and so it was all about that and then pushing eventually pushing the audience to question uh if you've created a value system you can exist within it most of the time and then sometimes you'll exist outside of it either amend your value system to allow for the new reality or redefine it forgive yourself and get back in right you can't have a value system and live outside it yeah yeah the cheese conundrum let's call it that right (laughs) dairy farming sustainability a melting planet i fucking love cheese (laughs) okay so so it's that um so that was a that was a great basket for me it also served a, a couple of other functions one being uh, that I actually the world social politics and actual politics were such that I didn't want to do a show as myself. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. didn't want to. 
be Marcus doing addressing Brexit. Yeah, I just didn't want to do it. I'd I'd already done it and found it very painful. But as Lucifer, from this position of like, I gave you knowledge, right? What if, what are you going to do with it? What have you done with it? And how are you going to learn to forgive each other for these differences that you find uh, amongst yourselves? Because if you don't, hell is ruined. You've destroyed hell. You've made it worse than Cardiff. Um, so uh, it was really 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 fun to do and I worked at at about three different points on that with groups of writers so in the first instance what are all the ideas about Milton's version of Lucifer second instance what if it's largely about the operating outside of a moral framework and finally now I know what it is my friend Dan Tetzel who directed it and helped write absolutely just like bashed the walls in on this Mm -hmm. idea until it became I think one of the best things I've written it's great and what are you like with the writing process when the basket is falling apart and it's not being filled up do you have things you do yeah I flounce away and busy myself with other things and pretend that I've simply been too busy to get on with it (laughs) and then gradually over that period of time a, a sense of acceptance settles on me and then I come back and probably start working on something new but it's not I'm not even though I describe the basket I think quite clearly I don't go all right well this basket's no good so on we go to something else is vague Mm. you know it's vague I mean you know I I procrastinate over the creation of everything that I make yeah I think fundamentally for the one reason that I alluded to earlier, which is what if it's no good? Yeah. What if this is the one where I get tapped on the shoulder and they and they go, um, look, none of us know how you made it here and, and well done. And it's all <laughs> yeah. fine, but it is over now. Okay. So if you could just hand in your dance card and, <laughs> and off you pop, that would be lovely. And, you know, in, interesting, uh, interesting times for me right now it's hard to talk about this without it either being self-piteous or at least sounding like I'm sort of wallowing in self-pity but I I'm not as wanted now as I was two five ten years ago I'm just not you know I I'm not as booked for radio and telly as I was and there's a part of me obviously that's going I didn't do anything wrong. Mm. I'm still making great work. In fact, most of it's better than it was before. And I'm so good at this. And I'll show up on time and I'll work really hard. And I will be funny on your show. I promise I will. I always am. I always am. And another part of me that goes, when I was 35, if the people who were 46 hadn't been gently moved aside... I wouldn't have hosted Have I Got News For You, would I? Mm. Or been on the panel of QI and whatever else. Mm. And the answer to who's making the shows I was making is, well, my wife, for example. And I don't begrudge it. Yeah. So, and that's a kind of, I mean, no two ways about it, self-pity or not, that's painful. Is very painful. I, I didn't realise until it began to slow down 
the extent to which me feeling wanted in the world <laughs> that was the that was the bell yeah. as the bell to say you've reached you've run out of peak, time. Peaks, <laughs> peak self pity um, uh, no um, I didn't quite understand the extent to which feeling wanted by those that make programs and people who listen and watch and stuff was in my kind of in my emotional uh, self and there's definitely a a sort of uh emotionally like feelings of rejection mm. and confusion maybe i mean i don't want to overstate this but maybe some actually some grief a bit of grief about sort of like ah ah this this stings a bit yeah. just now and also there's like yeah so what man get on with it get on with it what's your job my job isn't being on telly. My job isn't being famous. My job isn't even getting paid. My job is I make things. Am I still as busy making things as I ever was? The answer to that is a hard yes, mm-hmm. right? So I do for my emotional well-being uh, and for the betterment of the work I create, I write a gratitude list every morning, 10 things. And the rule I have is that at least two of them have to be more than technical gratitudes, right? Which means when I write them, they have to actually make me smile. And sometimes that's as simple as I write but pause and think until the thing I'm considering really makes me smile. And I just let it spread through me and go like, yeah, all right, great. And on we go. And I write 10 things. Fine. Um, So that, like practicing active gratitude rather than you know that awful thing if you're having a hard time and people go you've lots to be thankful for and you want to go i'll get in a bin you know um actively practicing gratitude makes a a measurable difference to my life and i do i mean you could call it a prayer but it maybe is maybe isn't i do just before i go on stage I do a a kind of spoken gratitude thing about the people who are at the show Uh, because, you know, I go and see lots of things and usually it involves, if the kids are here, making sure they're okay first. So lots of people would have paid for childcare. They'd have certainly paid for a ticket. They'd have certainly had to travel some distance, whatever that may be, to get to my show. They'd have had to choose me amongst, frankly, far too many comedians (laughs) Uh, you know and they'd have had to deal with their wet coat when they sit down or their bag that they didn't know whether to check it in or not or the you know whatever it may be and I've just found like connecting with a real sense not of sort of crawling oh thank you for being here but just a genuine sense of oh my god I'm making it like even if 10 people come to one of my shows like that is absolutely making it like i'm so lucky to have a job like to have made a living for myself out of making stuff yeah that's incredible most people dream of making stuff and getting paid once for it yeah i've managed 20 something years you know that's all right yeah that gratitude is such a good way of because being a creative is up and down. It's uncertain. It's frustrating. It's at times yeah. brilliant. It's a lot of the time, you know, yeah. really hard. 
the active gratitude thing is such a nice way. And we're about to say, I'm looking at the time. We normally end the podcast by getting people to give their advice on blank moments, our guests. Mm. But your advice of physically writing a gratitude list or before you're doing your creative thing, doing a gratitude list in your head about it, I think it's a really nice way to ground you yeah. give you perspective on everything you're doing how far you've come yeah. these people that support you yeah and puts everything into perspective it totally probably makes does. you enjoy what you do more it totally does I, I also share mine my gratitude list with with someone and there's a sort of network of people that you know that i that i do that with that's all related to my recovery from mm-hmm. from addiction which I, I find very very helpful but yeah you know the stuff the stuff around our, our our mental well-being, our mental health, our mental ill health, or whatever it may be, there's some really interesting things happening. Uh, there's far better levels of communication around this stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of support online, and some of that support, for me, uh, is very specifically unhelpful. It is very specifically very kindly meant. Mm. and it and beautifully well-intentioned and specifically unhelpful mm. all the positive change i've made in my life has involved taking action yeah. um you know you don't think your way into a better way of living you live your way into a better way of thinking that is how i operate so um sometimes when i've been i don't even want to say depressed but but held by my emotional state uh in a in a place where I, I don't wish to be waiting it out has not been the answer for me taking action has and a gratitude list 10 items long is possible for people in the worst situations in the world i, I genuinely believe that's true acknowledging my privilege i still believe that it's true and uh, as a piece of advice for people if if they find value in it terrific for me it is it is the thing that's made the biggest difference it's terrific and two of them have to make you smile if you manage 10 good for you well we, we are creatures of action aren't we we are yeah. we we want to do stuff yeah especially if that means helping us to get from a place that isn't so good to a place that's like yeah better. i can guarantee you that tomorrow's gratitude list will include something from the conversation we've had here and my guess is it's hearing what your first albums you ever bought were because the feeling of sitting in a little group and reminiscing as three old white farts (laughs) about (laughs) our album choices that's like a really specific thing for me that Mm. I'm like that's a pretty great moment right there I'm going to go home and listen to that album actually I think I'm also thinking that mine was much cooler than yours (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we each won. I mean, mine was the cure. Yeah, mine was that's true. Actually, mine, you know, so so. Mine was not cool at all. Yeah, but you made a profit on yours. Yeah, I made profit on mine. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I don't say yours wasn't cool. Yours was cool. Uh, the, the thing I like the most is album one you loved. Yeah. Right. Wasn't yeah. that easy, but you loved yeah. album two. You loved yeah. album three. Oh, wasn't so just like. I guess they've lost their way. It was a total shut off. That <laughs> yeah. you stopped listening to any of it. Yes. All of it. All yeah. music. It was, <laughs> it was impressively bad. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. Have that but kind of great, yeah. great. Well, let's never forget. David Bowie made Tin Machine, and that was part of David Bowie's creative <laughs> output. He made Tin Machine, and now people look back at Tin Machine like the purest, and they're like, 
even that had some value. Yeah. No, it didn't. <laughs> right, right. So uh, that's the point, isn't it? You know, people who people who make stuff for a living, if they make if they make enough things, they absolutely should make something that you go, that was awful. Yeah, yeah. it's part of it. Yeah. Well, this has been brilliant. I'm, I'm, if it's okay, I'm going to start doing a gratitude list. Yeah, please I'm do, to, man. Yeah, that's been please really, do. I really, do mine really first good. thing in the morning, uh, and it's a really, yeah, it's really cool. It's a, when I say first thing, I mean I mean usually within within five minutes of waking up. Yeah, it's better for me to get it done not as a chore, but get it done before I've even put my feet on the ground you in the morning. Them? Yeah, I mean, there's like a, a million of them in Amazing. here in my in my phone. Yeah, Amazing. yeah, but uh, partly because I text them to to somebody every day, so yeah, I have every one. And you know, like a whole bunch of um, them are the same every day. I mean, there's there's so there's the obvious ones about my kids. One of the things I write, and it often makes me smile, is I'm grateful for having enough. Yeah, because enough is a really weird concept for an addict. And it's a really weird concept for someone who's self-employed. And it's a really weird concept <laughs> yes. for someone who's making a, a, a living for kids and who's actually recently married. Or, or Like, what is enough for any of us mm-hmm. now? Enough what? And so I've, I've found just saying I am grateful for having enough means, as it's a gratitude list, it taps me in the direction of, well, enough what? Enough air? breathing happy i'm warm enough i've i've enough home yeah i've enough wife i've enough for now enough children i've enough food i've enough work to do i've enough money for now you know like enough is a great inclusive one it can also be a vague where you go i'm grateful for having enough and it doesn't mean anything it doesn't make you smile but you can lean into it yeah Uh, the one i've never put is uh, i am grateful for having enough vinyl because no, there's never enough. Never it turns enough. out there's never enough. <laughs> never enough cheese either. <laughs> well, um, we are grateful for having you on the podcast. Yeah. I'm grateful for you coming to my home, sharing coffee and tea and bringing cheese. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks You're for the Barry's welcome. tea. That was no uh, life-changing. And uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah. Cheers. Well, there you go. Marcus Brigstock. What a great podcast. Really enjoyed, really enjoyed his company. Uh, really nice guy. Um, some great chat. God, it went to some great places, didn't it? Um, just, again, oh. very, mm. very honest. You know, so many takeaways. Yeah, loads of takeaways. and just Those are takeaways, yeah. Very honest about his past and how it, uh, it, it shaped him now. And I think, you know, quite an inspirational guy, actually. Oh, incredibly inspirational. All the stuff about um, the gra- gratitude list that he does every day is just really and something that I, you know, we've talked about actually doing maybe on the pod as well. So it's, maybe that's something we could start to do a little bit of, you know, a little gratitude thing that we're grateful for every before each episode. And maybe our listeners could also join in, give, give us some of their gratitude lists that they could send on um on twitter and instagram it'd be really nice to see people's gratitude lists if you're willing to share them with us and maybe that's something we could all be doing a lot more of that's a really good idea yeah i like that that's, that's a really mm. nice takeaway from the podcast as well so looking forward to seeing everyone's gratitude lists 
uh, in the next uh, well when we come back from our from our break yeah and also I will say that I made a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast you did as well because we talked a lot about music on and off the pod didn't we yeah so I want people to listen and spot the um, obviously some of the tracks that we talked about are in there um, some of your choices my choices and Marcus's choices and a load of other stuff that hopefully lift people's spirits a little bit something to distract you or listen to when you're um, either self-isolating or if you're out um, and about having a walk um, please do have a listen and I'll put links up on um, on Twitter and stuff and also in the show notes and then people can uh, go and have a listen to the Spotify playlist that's brilliant uh, not many you know, more podcasts should do that have a little playlist alongside it as well that's, uh, that's a really nice touch mm. that's it I think it's yeah it? I just thought it'd be a nice thing to do stay safe look after each other and um we hope you're all well and we'll be back with you after our break and who knows what the world will look like then Giles who knows Jim but you'll be sure to know that there will be more blank podcasts on the way fantastic there will indeed Um, take care everyone and we'll see you again soon bye Media Podcast.